Hi, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in. You're all so welcome. I'm Jamie. I use he, him pronouns, and you're listening to the Proper Full On Gay podcast, that show where we talk about Heartstopper with extra special guests from the UK and Ireland's leading queer youth organisations. Thanks so much if you've already listened to episode one of our recap, Yellow is for Queerness, which I am just released a couple of weeks ago. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't listened, you can still head back after you listen to this one. Um, I really love to hear from listeners. Get in touch to let me know what you think. You can DM me on Instagram at properfullongaypodcast or send me an email to properfullongaypodcast at gmail.com. This week, I'm so delighted to welcome back LGBT Scotland for episode two of our Proper Full On Heartstopper recap. This week, we're going to pick our favourite coming out moments and we've got two really incredible guests, Barry and Dan. Hello. 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 It's so good to have you both with us. Delighted to be here. Very excited. I'm so pleased. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Who's going to go first? Um, Shall I go first? Um, So hello, I am Barry. I use she, her pronouns and I'm the Chief Exec at LGBT Youth Scotland. You're so welcome. Thank you for having us. And I am... Daniel, I use he, him pronouns, and I have a really fancy title, uh, volunteering and capacity building manager. Uh, Capacity building is a fancy word for learning and development. So I'm responsible for our team of 100 plus volunteers across Scotland and all of the learning and development in the organization for our staff and volunteers. Oh, that sounds so good. It's such a big job looking after volunteers and staff such a big job it it absolutely is but it's basically why i come to work every day i i love it um and i love working with the teams that we have oh that's so good i'm very it's a lot of pressure having a chief executive record with us i have to say it adds no it's a lot of fun (laughs) definitely turns the screws up a wee bit um, why don't you tell us a bit about LGBT Youth Scotland for people who haven't maybe listened to your um, the previous episodes that you've guested on? Yeah, of course. Um, so LGBT Youth Scotland is Scotland's national LGBTQ plus young persons charity. Um, we've been around for, gosh, 34 years now, but we've been LGBT Youth Scotland since 2003. So we're celebrating our 20 year anniversary this year as LGBT Youth Scotland, which is fantastic. Congratulations. Um, thank you. We are, we're quite excited. <laughs> um, we are primarily here for LGBTQ plus young per- people across Scotland. Um, any young person who needs us um, can find us. Um, and we do that through running 20 odd groups um, face to face or virtually each week. But we also offer one to one and live chat services. Um, and we support young people from all over Scotland uh, through our digital services which are a mixture of live chats or one-to-ones and from that we're really really fortunate um, because young people are brilliant at telling us um, what they need and what they want Um, so we take that information um, and we also work with some of the young people on policy and campaigning and we use that to try and support Scotland to become the sort of place where any LGBTQ plus young person can flourish and thrive. And it might be on a local local level, like with a local authority or supporting young persons have the agency to speak to a GP, or all the way up to um, influencing in policy and uh, through through Scottish government. So it's quite a, quite a wide variety of things that we do from that perspective. 
And then we're also really, really fortunate to have something called the LGBT Charter, which supports schools and workplaces to become more LGBT inclusive, um, which means that actually no matter where a young person is, either whether they're in education or whether they're entering the workplace or they're accessing services, then hopefully in time we can ensure that they have an inclusive experience and then actually improve um, that's with the rights and, and outcomes for LGBTQ plus young people uh, wherever they are in Scotland. It's incredible. It's such a huge scope. Your organisation does so much and you said you've been around for 34 years, which is really the late 80s. You must have yeah. seen a lot change in terms of um, the queer community in that in that time. How do you think LGBT Scotland has changed to keep itself relevant for today's queer young people? Um, that's a really good question. So, I mean, some of the things that have changed are, I suppose you might not think about now, um, we used to have to hold our groups in secret. We couldn't advertise them. Really? Uh-huh. Because it wasn't safe to. Um, yeah. Or um, we were supporting young people who were going through Section 28. So there was no knowledge or information shared at schools. Yeah. So then how did you find out about us? Because there wasn't the internet. Um, so things have really, really changed in terms of visibility and how we can operate. Um, we're sort of loud and proud. Um, but what's kept us relevant, what's kept us there the whole time is that we're here um, with and for young people. So the young people we're working with are telling us what they need, what they want, the services that we need. And that's how our groups and that's how our one-to-one -one service and everything like that has been set up. Because the young people have told us what they need for us to support them, um, be that in yeah. person or be that digitally. And then from that, we've actually been able to, to grow and adapt. And do you think that that's a really important part of the work that you do, making sure that young people have a voice and that their voice is heard? It's absolutely core to our being. Um, we, we do our utmost to be young person-led wherever we can, um, because it, it, me in my 40s doesn't matter. Actually, it's what <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't see. When I, when I was growing up, things were different. Yeah. Um, so I can't see what life is like for LGBTQ plus young people now. So without working with young people and without them saying this is what things are happening, this is what's important to us, then we can't actually do our jobs. Oh, it's so special. You guys are a great organisation. It's so good to have you as a partner on the show. The show wouldn't exist without the partners that we have. So I'm very, very grateful. Should we get stuck into today's episode now that everybody knows who you both are? Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, thanks. So today is episode two of our proper full-on Heartstopper recap and we're, we've picked out some of our favourite coming out moments. Um, I love how Heartstopper does such a great job, Alice Osmond did such a great job in her no novels of showing that really coming out isn't something that only happens once for queer people, it happens a lot and there's all different kinds of ways to come out and sometimes it goes well and sometimes it, it doesn't and I just love how it captures all of those, the essence of, of what coming out is like. Certainly, I, I think coming out in some ways has changed over the years, um, but it is something that happens every single day. Like it isn't just this one time event in your life. Um, the first time you come out is a one time big yeah. event. And then after that, it just happens. You know, every time you're talking to someone and they ask about your partner or they say, what does your girlfriend do? Or what does your wife do? And I reply, oh, my husband does this. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very much that way. And 
certainly when you're younger, you don't think about that. You think, oh, I'm going to come out. You come out and yay, I'm out. But it, <laughs> it doesn't really, you know, it's a it's an everyday thing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Is it still like a huge milestone for young people or is it something that they approach a bit more casually? I think it depends on the young person. Um, so I was a volunteer before I was in this role. So I worked directly with one of our youth groups for about three and a half years. And each young person that I worked with, it was a little bit different. So for some folks, it was very much a casual thing like, oh, hey, I'm gay or I'm lesbian or whatever it is, um, or however they identify. And then you have the folks that it is this really big thing and they really question it. Um, and it happens mainly from that fear of unknown. Like once you say it, you can't take it back. Yeah. And you don't know, you hope that you know how folks around you are going to respond and how people in your life are going to be, but you really don't know until it happens. Yeah, for sure. For there's sure. Some, there's some really nice positives though. So, I mean, um, we do research every five years and we published research last year called Life in Scotland. And what's really nice about that is it's showing that young people are becoming more confident to come out earlier. So um, 10 years ago, in 20, well, 11 years ago now in 2012, um, the average age of coming out was about 16 and it's dropped to 14. Um, vast majority, I mean, like 83% or something are still coming out to friends first. Yeah. Um, so actually you're going for people, you're still engaging with people who you trust, people who you think you might get that positive rea reaction from, or the people who you can go, well, actually, I'm a bit questioning right now. I don't know whether I'm gay or lesbian or not. I mean, and you see yeah. that in the show. Um, but the other really, really, really nice thing is that um, like over 80% are reporting a supportive, a very supportive reaction. That's so things great. have changed in terms of it's being so much so much better accepted that's really bad wording but um yeah just people are much more happy to come out as lgbtq plus and then I, I think over a third of them are surprised that they get such a positive response so there's some lovely yeah. developments happening Definitely. Um, but as daniel said yeah you're doing it your whole life yeah it um, isn't something that just it's not a one and done it happens constantly yeah. Um, the first two moments that we've picked out today, that I've picked out today, are a little bit different. They're two moments when characters come out for each other on behalf of other characters. When someone's out and living authentically, it's quite normal that others sometimes come out, come out on their behalf, isn't it? I, th I think yes, um, especially within a friendship group or if in some ways you're trying to protect that person. Uh, so if I, I think about something my brother uh met a very close uh friend of mine who was transitioning um and i let them know before they met just so that he wouldn't be shocked when they first met um you know and they're like best of friends now but it was just that i was concerned about how my brother might react when they met as opposed to my brother just being cool with things and not yeah. having an issue and probably wouldn't have reacted. Um, but I think sometimes that's what happens because you want to protect your friends and you want to protect those that you care about. Yeah, for sure. For sure. The first moment um, is when Charlie comes out on behalf of Elle at his birthday party. Should we take a listen? Yeah. 
I feel like I know her from somewhere. That's Elle. She used to go to our school. She would have been in your year, but she moved to Hicks. That's Isaac. He doesn't say a lot, but he's really nice. And you know Tal. Sorry in advance if he says anything rude to you. That's just the way he is. Okay. Ready to meet them? Yeah. I really love how the producers handled that moment, the way that Charlie just very casually introduces Elle to Nick and then moves on to his other friends. It's just really nicely done. Yeah, it, it's lovely that it's just dropped into conversation. Yes, yeah, she did maybe know her from somewhere, but she's at that school now and therefore we're calling her Elle. Um, yeah. And there's no, it's lovely that there's no reference to the dead name or to anything that went on at at Truem before. Um so it it's quite carefully done. Um, for sure. For sure. It is. It's, it feels just it's just a it just feels really gentle and really nice and just really usual. Like it's just so usual the way it comes across in conversation. I imagine it's quite difficult for parents and people who are quite new to the queer community to know when it's appropriate for them to come out on behalf of their queer young people. I'm thinking at times like Christmas when maybe large families are getting together and, and things like that. You know, it's quite an interesting one because if you're looking at this from the outside and you maybe Google, then you'll see things um, and there's guidance out there saying you never come out on behalf of someone else because actually that's their story to tell. And that's also really important. But there are... I mean, just as we're looking at here, that there might be situations where it's beneficial to help prepare people or to support people. Certainly if you're a parent and you don't have that knowledge of what it's like living in the community, um, this is the first, your child is the first queer person that you know, it's very easy to be anxious and go, oh my goodness, what do I do? How do I do it? But understanding that there is no hard and fast rule and actually you need to obviously work with your young person to understand where they're at, what they might want said. So your example of Jamie of Christmas would be actually chatting to them and saying, well, do you want your whole family to know? How do you want us to do this? Great, you've got a girlfriend or boyfriend or partner. How do, how do we how do we bring them in? So actually checking in is just the most important thing you can do at any point through that to actually make sure that you know that you're not betraying a confidence. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think consent is like a really important, a really important part of that, isn't it? That the young person's included. I think that must also be important for things like educators and teachers and, and youth group leaders who maybe feel um, like they have some form of obligation to tell parents. It's a really interesting one because um, certainly when we work with schools and teachers, there is a concern that a young person coming out as either LGB or trans and non-binary is, is a safeguarding concern. But actually what it, what it really reflects is that young person trusts you as a safe, trusted adult. And that's really, really important. So you've got to, I suppose, honour that trust. Yeah. If there's a risk of harm, if there's a risk of something else, then actually, yes, it can be a safeguarding issue. But actually what it is, is just the joy for a young person trusting you as an adult to go, do you know, I'm gay or I'm trans and just welcoming them in that. Yeah. Um, and actually, I mean, if you look at some of the guidance out there from Scott Gough and others, 
sorry, Scottish government, apologies. Um, it, it's seeing that, just support them in their journey. It's not something that needs to be reported back to parents or actually even other teachers or within the school. And again, the guidance is to be guided by the young person because it's their coming out journey, not yours. Very good. Exactly. Exactly. The second moment that we're going to touch on is when Elle comes out for Nick. Let's have a listen. I'm not surprised Nick started a fight with him. If Tyra's being a dick to Charlie, of course. Is there something actually going on between Nick and Charlie? There is, isn't there? Yeah. They're going out. Who else knows? Um, Isaac, Tara and Darcy. But Charlie wants to tell you himself. Well, he said he wanted to tell you himself. When did he tell you? At the Milkshake Cafe. That was ages ago. <laughs> I feel so stupid. It must be so hard to be in Elle's position when Nick came out to her at the Milkshake Cafe. It seemed like it was totally unplanned, like it was a bit off the cuff. And then Charlie did tell everybody that he wanted to tell Tao and now all this time has passed and poor Tao is still in the dark and... You know, do you think she did the right thing whenever he asked her about it? I think Elle was in a really tough position uh, between two friends. Uh, so wanted to keep Charlie's confidence, but also didn't want to lie to Tao. Um, and in the end, I think kind of had that feeling like I thought Tao knew already until Tao said it. And so Elle had no choice but just to say, yes, uh, this is how it is, and was honest about how long they'd known and and everything else. Um, uh, but, you know, I, I think what that does bring up is kind of what I mentioned earlier, like Charlie really does want to tell Tao, but doesn't know how Tao is going to react. And there has been a whole push and pull because Charlie's become friends with Nick and Tao yeah. doesn't approve of being friends with Nick. So how's Tao going to respond when, when Charlie says I'm dating Nick, yeah. uh, you know, what, what's that response going to be? For sure. In a way, it just shows how complex human relationships are. Like there are no, like there are no right, there's no right or wrong answer to any of this. It's the situations that you're put in and often you just have to go, with your heart don't you you just have to you just have to do what feels right at the time yeah and i think with l as well she wasn't like trying to be a gossip or anything else or like oh guess what i heard it was very yeah. much uh this is what it is um i don't know vari do you do you have any thoughts on it i i i would hate to be in that position personally yeah it is it's really really hard because they are just chatting away and um yeah it i certainly when you think of the milkshake cafe it, that wasn't a planned coming out it just was the right environment and safe environment yeah, and actually it. if tau had been at the table he'd have heard exactly um, but tau was being so protective of charlie because of everything that sort of happened before the first series started that actually it inadvertently made it much harder for charlie to have that conversation um so yeah it's it's a really difficult situation because actually if Elle hadn't said something then Tao would have been potentially really frustrated when he did find out 
but also by finding out this way, then also he's actually really upset because he knows he's been left out and actually he probably feels he's hurt Charlie. So there was never mm. going to be an easier, straightforward resolution to that one. Well, for yeah. sure. So hard. So hard. Friendships are difficult. Should we move on to, um, well, before we move on, we're going to move on and talk about Tara and Darcy and about Nick, of course, the two other big coming out story arcs. And But before we get into the detail on those experiences, what are some of the things that people might consider before they come out for the first time? Oh, where to start? Um, <laughs> yeah, but as Daniel was saying earlier, it, it depends on every person. We're all different. So different, I know. So some people would might immediately go right. Okay, I don't know if I like girls or boys or both or whatever, and then you just start chatting about it. Um, but other people will sit there and reflect and reflect and then be totally sure before they say anything. Yeah. So. I think the first thing for me would have to be just be true to yourself and do what's right for you um, and that there is no right or wrong way to come out. There's only the way that's right for you in that moment. Um, I think that's really important to to be aware of. Yeah, I think you you have to think about yourself. So if if I think about my kind of personal coming out story, um, I knew for many years before I actually came out that I was gay. Uh, but in high school, back in the late 90s, in California, um, in a rural community-ish, uh, it really wasn't a safe environment to come out. We had one out guy in our school, and he was basically teased and bullied and ridiculed every single day of school. Um which made me think like, this really isn't a safe place for me to be me. Um, my closest friends knew, but that was it. Uh, however, once I graduated from high school, I came out um, and I had no issues after that. But, you know, I think even then, 25, 26 years ago, like out being out in school wasn't easy. Um, and it certainly wasn't a safe place. Um, even if you just think about the mental health aspect, uh, it, it just wasn't a safe place to, to do it. Um, but you have to think about what is right for you because some, some people it might be, yeah, this is exactly what I need to do. I need to live my authentic self. Others, it is, no, I can't really say anything like my family wouldn't understand or whatever it might be. Um, but it's always about you. For sure, for sure. Should we move on to Tara and Tara and Darcy? Tara has quite a mixed coming out experience. The first time they come out as a couple to Elle, um, whenever Elle moves to the new school and she kind of interrupts them playing um a thumb war in the classroom is is what they I think that's what they they pretend. I can't remember. Let's have a listen. I'm sorry if I've got totally the wrong idea here, but are you two like dating? Don't tell anyone, okay? <laughs> Only a few of our friends know, but I think you're officially part of the inner circle. <laughs> <laughs> You've befriended the school lesbians. <laughs> Elle had a really difficult time settling, and at least it's, she seemed to whenever she started at Hicks. It seemed like she had a bit of a tough time settling in and 
finding a new friendship group and and things like that. So this is a really lovely part of her story arc where we see that she finds her community at Higgs and she befriends Tara and Darcy. Um, it seems like it's quite important for Elle's well-being that that she's found uh, friends in Tara and Darcy, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look earlier in the series, Elle had been quite alone um, to the extent that the teacher was trying to uh, propose intervening um, and then set her a challenge to to meet and get to know people. Um, and actually being on your own at school can be very lonely. Mm. Um, if you're if you are I suppose perceived as different, or if you're not confident, or you have to move school, then it, it can be really really challenging to get to know people when friendship groups are already formed. So I, I'm I'm yeah I would, I would totally agree that for for Elle in terms of having that network and that support and people who accept her for exactly who she is is really really important. I think it's it's one of those things because. Elle did have such a tough time at Truem based on what we have have heard. Um, she really needed to find her people so that she could be happy at school. Um, much like when you get older, uh, you know, where work is such a big part of your life and you spend more time with people at work than you do with your own family when you're younger, you spend more time with the people at school than you do your own family. So it needs to be a safe, caring environment where you have people that you can talk to and be friendly with and, you know, just have have your people. Uh, I, I don't really know how else to describe it other than it has to be a welcoming place. Yeah, for sure. We pick up her story arc again at Harry's party. Charlie and Nick are sitting on a sofa and the rugby lads arrive and pull Nick away. I think it's Harry that pulls Nick away to talk to Tara. Let's have a listen to their conversation. All of this could have been avoided if I just... What? Told everyone I was a lesbian. Yeah, but um, I guess that's not something you'd really want to lie about. It wouldn't be a lie. What? Oh, you, you actually are. That's my girlfriend over there. <laughs> We've mostly been keeping quiet. Yeah. So why, why are you telling me? Me and Darcy have been talking, and honestly, we feel like we don't need to keep it that quiet anymore. You mean, like, come out? Not necessarily. Um, we don't want to make a big announcement or anything, but maybe just not hide so much. This feels like quite an important moment for Nick and Tara. For a queer young person, is knowing someone else who's queer, does that really have that big of a positive impact on them? You're seeing nods, which doesn't help when we're recording a <laughs> podcast, does it, Jamie? Um, <laughs> absolutely. It's really hard feeling like the only person that's different. And actually, being queer isn't being different. It's part of a, a, a gigantic community, but not one that you see immediately when you're a young child and growing up. So actually having those positive role models and the positive influence of going, actually, I'm not the only gay in the village um, or knowing that knowing that there are other queer people out there is is so powerful um, that it means that you you can then sort of begin to think, yes, I am who I am. I will be accepted for that and I can flourish and thrive. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things you don't always 
realize the impact it can have. So one of the things I talk about with our volunteers quite often is how aspirational some of our volunteers can be because, you know, young people can see what their future can be like. Um, You know, so when I think about when I was 18, I never thought I would be able to marry a guy or have uh, a family or live somewhere different or whatever it might be. And, you know, here I am just over 25 years later and I'm married, living in a different country, living my life as me, Um, you know, and it's it's such a a great thing to be able to share that with other young people uh, or, you know, to share that with young people, I should say. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, if I think about some of the young people that I worked with as a volunteer, one of the stories in particular that stands out is a young person who wrote a message basically saying, you know, you are here every week being present here for us. Um, and I want to be able to give back and do the same thing. And I hope to be able to volunteer someday. And sure enough, a about two years later, I was at an event and they were volunteering for another organization. Um, and, you know, it was because of the interactions that I had with them a couple years before that wow. they knew that was something that they could do. And, you know, we we see that quite often, certainly within our volunteer uh, ranks. We have a number of volunteers who were young people in the service before. Um, you know, some many, many years ago, some two, three years ago. Uh, And it's absolutely amazing to see that kind of go all the way around. They were a young person. They saw their volunteers. They want to come be a volunteer and be part of that journey for someone else. And it's just, it's great. Wow. Very good. So for me, that is one of the most important things in terms of our, I mean, we we couldn't do what we do without our 100 plus volunteers, but actually the the support they give to young people in terms of role modelling, in terms of that visibility, but also seeing that path from young person to volunteer, we've got trustees who are young people, we've got staff members who are young people, and that is just an absolute joy because then you can see young people having had that role model, be it a peer or be it an adult, and then actually progressing through and then becoming that role model or trusted adult in the future. It's just one of the nicest things. Oh, for sure. That's so nice. That's so nice. When Tar gets called away, Nick sees that Charlie has wandered off and while he searches for him, he catches sight of Tara and Darcy um, looking really happy together on the dance floor. It's one of the probably a, a really iconic moment in the show when Tara and Darcy kiss. Um, the camera cuts to Nick, who also looks really happy and then confetti starts to fall and we've got that great animation with the pride colours and, and everything else. Tara's really brave in this moment like she's just started on her coming out journey and she's kissed her same-sex partner in this really highly charged environment a party full of all of her friends and peers it just feels like she's being really brave I totally agree I wouldn't have the courage to do that um no definitely not not at that age that's, that's a phenomenally brave thing to do um, but also shows actually the strength of feeling that they have for one another and actually how comfortable they feel in themselves as a couple. Yeah, Actually, they're ready to say, yes, I am a couple. Um, and actually, it, it's it's a very 
it's a lovely way to, I suppose, start that coming out journey and actually people seeing that you really care about someone else. Definitely, definitely. And we can see that Nick kind of takes a look around and then it all, it's almost like it encourages him to take the next steps, you know, whenever he sees that people don't bat an eyelid, it just happens and then it's over and people carry on with their night. You know, it's really, it's really well done. Like it's beautifully done. We pick up Tara's story arc as they arrive at the girls' school um, sometime later. It's not very clear. It's around lunchtime. Earlier that day, Tara posted a picture of herself on Instagram. It was a picture of her and, her and Darcy kissing and the caption girlfriends. Throughout the day, we see that she checks her Instagram and she gets a bit of a mixed response. Some are positive comments, a lot of positive comments, and but some negative comments too. And she overhears some homophobic remarks in um, her classroom and it makes her feel a bit uncomfortable. Should we have a listen? Yeah. I think Truman and Hicks should just combine into one giant school. Yeah, same-sex schools are a pointless idea generally. I'm saying that as an absolute lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> She's so gross. Lesbians are so disgusting. What is their problem? It's where people weren't like this before we came out. Want me to throw cheese at them? Got leftover cheese from lunch. No. It's not like they're actually saying it to my face. Why do you have leftover cheese? Uh, always pays to be prepared with anti-homophobia cheese. <laughs> anti-homophobia cheese. You should never be without it. <laughs> Carry some in her back pockets every day. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of, it's a very cowardly kind of homophobia, isn't it? Where you're making these horrible comments about people that are sitting right next to you as if they're not there. Is that kind of homophobia and transphobia still a big issue in schools? I mean, based on, again, my experience with the young people that I worked with, yes, um, one young person uh, that I worked with, uh, you know, talked about these comments were very regular for them uh, throughout the yeah. day, uh, you know, and they would purposely be dead named or would be misgendered and they didn't feel they had the support, you know, no one said anything and it was, you know, much like those little comments in the background there, um, you know, just snide comments that no one expects to be called out on. Yeah, it must be so hard to be in that position and to hear these things and not feel like you can do anything about it or not feel like you want to do anything about it. You'd be kind of wasting your time. Is it do, do young people find it really hard to come forward and speak out when things like this happen? I think if you if you look at our research, you will see that more and more young people are comfortable reporting bullying, be that homophobic, biphobic or transphobic bullying. Um, there still is a significant challenge in schools in terms of how that's addressed and dealt with. And different countries in the UK or different parts of the UK have different definitions and different ways of managing bullying within schools. So there's not a consistent, I suppose, approach right across Scotland, England, Ireland, Wales. Um, but certainly it does happen. And actually that's when teachers and trusted adults can become so important. Um, like the teacher that he always goes to in the art school who's there and an ally and we're there for Charlie. Actually having that um, for Tara and Darcy could be really beneficial because then those snide comments, which are effectively bullying, can be talked about and actually awareness yeah. can be raised. The girls doing that can then be, I suppose, supported to understand why that's not acceptable. Um, and actually then um, Tara and Darcy actually feel comfortable being out 
Um, there's also a bit, I suppose, about the Instagram post. And actually that, again, is incredibly brave because that's then out in the big wide world and anyone can comment. And as we all know from online, uh, not everyone's nice. Um, and people will feel because it's online, they're safe to comment on something that's got absolutely nothing to do with them. Yeah. Um, and she she did a she did brilliantly by deleting and blocking, but actually that still takes a toll, and I'm sure that comes on. But actually, we see that impacting Tara because all of this negativity just hurts you, um, and people don't realise it's impacting other real people. Yeah, that's a really great comment. I think it came up whenever I was chatting with Lee from Car Friend in our last episode. We were talking about how the experiences of young people today are sometimes different to the experiences that we ourselves had as queer young people back um, a very long time ago, longer than I would care to admit. Um, and he said that one of the main things is that you, you, whenever we were young, we could go home and close the door and that would be it. Whereas for young people today, it continues on Twitter, it continues on Instagram and on TikTok and, and all these other online places that they have. Just can't imagine what that's like to not be able to get away. I mean, that's it. it is so difficult because it does follow you. Um, doesn't matter where you are the messages still come up on your phone, different things still happen. And I think the the tough part is getting people to realize that it's actually a real issue as opposed to kids being kids, a little bit of uh, schoolyard banter or something along those lines. Like, you know, the the comments in the lunchroom, those were completely uncalled for, uh, for a number of reasons. But if it were to be said in a different way or about a different thing, some people would have absolutely no problems calling that out. But because it's just talking about uh, someone's sex- sexuality, it's like, oh, that's just funny. Ha ha. Um, yeah. You know, without thinking about the person that it's being said to and how that might make them feel. For sure. For sure. Later that week at the school concert, the same girls as before start making some more homophobic comments. One telling the other not to look at Tara or they'll catch the lesbian disease. Really, really horrible. That's terrible. Um, Tara's upset and she runs out of the room. Darcy follows her to the music store and they get locked in. Darcy jokes about them being locked inside their makeout room and Tara turns to face her with wet cheeks. Oh, it's so sad. Let's have a listen. Everything's changed. Since we came out? Yeah. Do you regret it? No, I, I just I just wasn't prepared for things to change. I, did, I didn't think so many people would suddenly think I'm a completely different person. They don't think that. They do. It's, it's different for me. You came out years ago. I'm not loud and confident about being a lesbian. I could barely say the word lesbian when we started going out. And, and now I've got people on my Instagram like, Oh my God, you're a lesbian. People giving me funny looks in the corridors and I wasn't prepared for any of it. And I don't, I don't know how to behave anymore. And I just want to live my life. It can be so hard to be a young person in Tara's shoes and to have to experience a coming out experience like that. It really can be. And that's part of the reason why it's really helpful if you can to have friends that you can speak to or a family member that you can speak to. Um, Because at some point, everyone just needs that it's going to be okay. 
Yeah. Um, and but to know that they're cared about. And and that is one of the the sad things with our services sometimes is that when young people come to groups, we might be the only people in the life that care in their life that care about them and care about how they're feeling um, or that they can be themselves. And that is a really great thing that we're able to provide that kind of support and be there for them. But it's also really sad when I think about certainly everyone that I have in my life, I assume the two of you have in your lives, um, to think that people don't have that same support structure yeah, uh, for themselves. It is sad though, it is sad. If you had a young person like Tara who's had a difficult coming out experience, maybe it's their first coming out experience that hasn't gone very well, what would that conversation be like about the next steps? It's It's really hard because obviously you want to acknowledge how difficult that is and how horrible those people are being and and, and the impact it's having on you Mm. Um, and they may not realise that they're being horrible Um, they may not actually understand the damage or the hurt that that's causing Yeah, that's Um, so actually meeting someone and treating them with compassion even when they're being um, homophobic or transphobic against you is so hard Um, but they, they might just not understand that that's not an acceptable thing to see um mm. so there, there's uh, but you if you're sitting there and you're hurt by it actually it's, it's also knowing that they're in really a minority the vast majority of people are lovely and supportive and accepting and will be overjoyed for you to be comfortable with who you are and who you want to love um but it, yeah it's, it, it is it's just a it's a really difficult situation i mean what we would do is try and would listen to the to the young person and, and support them um, to take whatever steps they feel they are able to do, yeah. be that walking away, be that engaging them in educating, be that reporting it. But um, as Daniel said, the, the most important thing is any young person who we, who we work with, we meet with them where they are and they are absolutely accepted and supported for who they are and where they are at any one point in time. Because for every everyone, this is a different journey. No one, no one has the same experience twice. Um, so actually, it's really, really important to know that you are accepted and you are supported for being who you are and where you are. And wherever that is in that journey, that's okay because it's where you are right now. The other thing that I would say as well is that it's their problem. It's not your problem. Yeah. You know, and I wouldn't look at it as I have done something wrong. They're the ones that have an issue with me. If they want to be a part of my life, then they need to respect me. That doesn't mean they need to agree with it. And I think there's a real difference between being respectful and agreeing and, and everything else. But, um, you know, it, it is very much, if you want to be a part of my life, then let's come to an agreement of how we can be respectful to each other. Um, even if you don't agree with one thing and I don't agree with something else. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It is a difficult coming out experience that Tara has, but it sums it like it, it, the show kind of winds it up really nicely on sports day at the very end of season one, where we see them celebrate each other and they're celebrated amongst a group of friends and, um, and everything else. So 
although it's a difficult experience that she does have a very positive like coming away at the end which is really nice too should we talk about nick and his coming out experience i love nick's story <laughs> well it's like a fairy tale who doesn't love nick's story <laughs> As far as season one goes, Nick's coming out experience, so far at least, um, has been very different and very positive. The first time he comes out is to Tara whenever she visits Trium with the school's orchestra. Should we take a listen? You and Charlie getting along well then? Uh, yeah. Actually, well, we're sort of going out. Are you? I mean, we haven't made it official or anything, but, yeah. Please don't tell anyone, though. No, of course. It's funny how things stand out between us. What do you mean? I mean, when we were 13, I thought we were going to be boyfriend and girlfriend forever. <laughs> it's such a nice moment for Nick. Coming out for the first time is so scary. Nick picked a really good person in Tara to come out to for the first time. Is that something that, that is important, do you think? I, I think yes, because it kind of sets the tone for how the rest of your coming out journey may go. Because if you have a really bad experience that first time, um, you may not want to do it again. You may decide like, oh, this isn't, I can't tell anyone. Um, so, you know, I think it's it's really important that certainly that first time is as positive as it, it can be. And I think just choosing a good friend who you know, or who at least you strongly suspect will respond positively yeah. and actually welcome that just makes such a difference because it's then a very affirming experience. Um, and next choice of Tara, knowing that Tara's already out as a lesbian, it's almost a safe option. Yeah, um, for sure. And I suppose we need to recognise that not everyone will have that. Of course. But there yeah. will be there'll, there'll be friends out there within that friendship group who you just know will be happy for you being who you are. Oh, that's so nice. I know for sure, for sure. Nick meets Tara and Nick meets Tara and Darcy for lunch that day and explains that he's not really out yet and they ask if he wants to be when he tells them that he doesn't know what his sexuality is and um, Darcy tells him that that's okay and that Tara didn't know at the start either and um, Darcy suggests a double date before they go to the concert and they set it up I love how Tara and Darcy are so supportive it's like they, this couple this lesbian couple has become like the linchpin of community for not just Elle but for Nick too I think it's it's really cute and that's what you you would always hope is how it's going to be if you look at a lot of um like hetero couples in a school setting it is very much like that it's like oh me and her are going out tomorrow how about you two join us and we'll have a little double date like it's it's basically like, this is just yeah. a normal thing yeah, um, for sure. You know, it's just it's just four four people getting together and going for milkshakes uh, before they they go to their event. It's it's just in my mind, anyways. It's just really cute. <laughs> oh, it is super cute. It's super cute. Should we have a listen to a bit of the, of the a conversation later on? On the way back to the hall, Tara tells Nick that he shouldn't feel like he has to come out to anyone until he's ready. That being out is hard. Let's have a listen to this. 
feel like you have to come out to anyone before you're ready. Oh. Yeah. Being out is hard. A lot of people will see you in a different way, and it is a lot to deal with. Can I ask you something? Yeah. Are you, like, definitely gay? Or do you think you're bi? Or... I mean, when we were 13, I think I did like you. I mean, I think I have liked girls before, so I wondered if you felt the same. I'm definitely gay. Kissing you was actually one of the things that made me realise I don't like kissing guys. <laughs> OK. Um, happy to help. <laughs> uh, see you tomorrow? Yeah, that sounds really good. Um, you're kind of the first people I've told about Charlie. Really? Yeah. And does it feel good to have told someone? Yeah. Really does. I really love that moment for two two reasons. One is that it, it's a really nice juxtapose of Tara and Nick's experiences. It's like the producers are deliberately pointing out how different coming out experiences are. Um, and the second is because it also highlights the importance of community and being able to have people around you that you can ask questions to and really kind of get under the surface of what you're feeling. You know, it just seems like it's really significant and they're kind of highlighting the importance of that community. Yeah, I think um, it's lovely that you can see Nick having that positive an experience um, and Tara having had a positive experience, but then actually going, well, you know, sometimes it's not always great and just yeah. recognising that, but it not being a big thing because actually they are still, I suppose, out and mostly okay. Um, the other bit I love in that is that it's, it's okay to not be sure. Um, yes. Because actually we grew up in very much a heteronormative world. So um, I look at my son who's at primary school and it's all about male-female. And actually then realising as you're growing up, actually, no, I might like the same sex or I might be trans actually that that's quite a big thing and it is a journey that you go on sort of working out who you are so that the comment in there for me about actually you don't have to know yet um, and that you, you sort of figure it out for me that's that's a really important comment as well definitely definitely like whenever I, I was started in secondary school and uh, um, I grew up thinking that I was gay until like I was in my 20s because that's what people called me. They called me queer and everything else like it was horrendous. I guess the the message around how it can be very fluid and it changes over time or maybe your understanding of it changes over time seems like it's a really positive and healthy one. Absolutely. The friends decide to meet for milkshakes before the school concert, as you said, Dan. While Tao is at the milkshake van, Elle confronts Darcy about trying to set her and Tao up. She asks if Charlie and Nick knew about the whole thing being some kind of setup. Should we have a listen? I love this. This is like one of my favourite scenes. Did you know this too? The me and Tao thing? Um, yeah. So this whole thing was just a setup. We thought it would be fun to go on a triple date. A triple date? Yeah, um, you and Tao, Tao and Darcy, and... You and Charlie? Yeah. You two are together? Yeah. <gasps> Charlie! <laughs> I'm so happy for you. 
I mean, I'm happy for you too, but you didn't have to witness all the months of intense pining. <laughs> it's such a great moment, isn't it? It can't help but bring a smile to your face. Oh, for sure. I know. Totally unplanned. Just the time was right. As you said earlier on, it just felt like the right thing to do. Do people find it easier to come out after they've come out for the first time? Like, does it kind of get easier as you go along? I I think, yes, it does get easier. Um, but sometimes, like, your self-preservation almost kicks in. So I had a, a instant recently... Um, on holiday with my mom and my husband and a friend of ours and my mom and I were uh, sitting chatting and we were talking with this older couple next to us. Um, so we were on a cruise out of uh, New Orleans. So think the South in the U S and, you know, I'm just having a chat and they're like, Oh, what brought you there? Oh, you know, work brought me to the UK, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I was, I could kind of tell that I didn't think they were going to be okay with it. And I just yeah. didn't want to have any issues, uh, while we were sitting there and the wife asked another question and my mom was just really open, like, oh yeah, his husband got transferred with work <laughs> and the two of them live there together. And like, yeah. you could just see the wife's face just kind of dropped a little bit and she got very quiet. The husband was still chatting. Um, and, you know, we were still chatting with the, uh, with each other. And then the wife got back in the conversation and, and everything else. But sometimes you just know, or you think, you know, I should say of how yeah. something might go. So then you choose not to say something or to maybe word things a little bit differently. Definitely, definitely. Just because you live authentically and you're out to the majority of the people that you know doesn't mean that you have to like come out at every opportunity that you have. You know, I think that's really important to kind of say too. I because of the podcast, like I find it quite tricky sometimes to think about like whenever I tell people that I've got a podcast, the next question is, Oh, what's your podcast about? And it's like it leads into this coming out experience that I totally sometimes you get totally caught up in it and it's like it's hard to explain, but especially amongst um, the other parents at the school. So my kid's school, like I'm out to my 13 year old. I'm not out to my nine year old son yet. I'm sure I will be soon, but um, it just hasn't really come up. So whenever I'm like talking to like the parents of his friends and things like that, it's always I'm always very cautious around you know, should I come out to them or not? Because I don't know what how they'll react, first of all. And I don't know what they'll then say to Jack. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, everyone's um, different. For sure, for sure. Um when so the next the next coming out moment for Nick is like the coming out moment that everybody loves. Um when he gets home from his beach date with his mum in the kitchen, also Note that she's dressed in yellow. You guys haven't heard the Yellow is for Queerness episode, but she's dressed in yellow, so it's Nick. Um, as he enters, his mum asks if he's had a nice day, and he looks really smiley and tells him, tells her that he has. He makes some tea and he takes a seat with her. Let's listen to their conversation. Mum. Mm-hmm. You know Charlie's like my best friend. If you're going to ask if you can come on Armanork holiday this year, the answer's no, because I've already booked the ticket. No, that's, um, that's not what I was going to say. He's my boyfriend. Charlie's my boyfriend. 
I, I still like girls, but, um... I like boys, too. And, and me and Charlie, we're... We're going out. And I just... wanted you to know. Oh, baby. Oh. oh, thank you for telling me. I'm sorry if I ever made you feel like you couldn't tell me that. What a great moment. It's a really beautiful moment between Nick and his mum. Like, could she have responded any more positively? Okay, it's just lovely. And do you know, I if you see earlier in the series, there's a point where I think she asks in the car after the cinema or something about Nick being a really sorry Charlie being a really special friend of Nick. That's it, yeah. And it's like, yeah, you you sort of begin to wonder if she might have suspicions because parents yeah. are observant. But actually, just saying thank you and checking in, and it is is just totally the best thing that you you can do to sort of let them know that they are supported and loved. Um, it's really interesting listening to Nick there compared to earlier because when he's coming out to Tara or to the group or to L, sort of his friends. It's quite a different conversation, whereas with his mum, it feels much bigger. And you can yeah. hear that and how he's speaking and much. It, it doesn't just come up in conversation. It's 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 a big thing that he's working up to as well. Definitely. It comes across even in his breathing and stuff like that. You know, it's mm -hmm. brilliantly acted by Kit Connor. For sure. It's it's a different conversation entirely. Yeah. And I think certainly for me, it it made me think about my initial coming out to my mom which uh, actually happened unexpectedly. And I have a pause there for a reason, because you might need to do a trigger warning. Okay, trigger warnings. Daniel's story includes his partner at the time experiencing suicidal thoughts. You can skip two minutes ahead if hearing about that might be upsetting. If you're having a really hard time yourself, just know that you're not alone. There's a huge community that's here for you. You can get support in the UK by texting SHOUT to 85258. If you're in the United States, text START to 678678. And in Australia, you can text anything you like to 0477131114. Leave all that information, plus a few others in different countries, in our show notes. Um, but so it... It happened unexpectedly, though. So basically, I, I was seeing a guy in high school. I was probably about 14 and a half, 15. And um, he called me in tears because he came from a very religious family and his parents found out that he was gay. Mm. And uh, he basically called me to tell me he didn't know what to do and he was going to kill himself. Oh wow! And I was like, okay, let's take a step back. Just come over and we can figure this out because I, I knew my mom would be okay with it. So, you know, I basically told her the, the story and that he's coming over. Uh, and she's like, okay. She's like, I can't really deal with this part right now. We need to make sure that he's safe. Um, you and I can talk about it later, but I'm not sure that we can tell your stepdad or your brother just now. Mm. Um, and her her reason for that was because if my stepdad wasn't okay with it, uh, she would have to leave him. 
And if my brother wasn't okay with it, she wasn't a hundred percent sure what she would do, but we, there were seven years between us. So he was quite young about probably about the same age as your son. After that, everything was fine. He came over, we chatted. Uh, he had some conversations with his parents. Uh, didn't go as well as would have hoped, but he lived a reasonably happy life provided he wasn't gay. So that was how he, he lived his life. Um, we later, or my mom later told my stepdad who was very upset that we didn't feel that we could tell him because he'd been in my life since I was three and he loved me and I was his son. Um, but I think the funnier one was my younger brother who was very upset because he would have come up with better jokes if he knew I was gay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can always trust your brothers, eh? Right? Um, but I, you know, looking at the coming out, Nick's coming out to his mom, uh, looking at Charlie's dad, looking at Tao's mom. She's just, a great heartstopper parent. I think she's right? my favorite heartstopper parent for sure. She's so supportive of Elle. It's they, great. They're just all amazingly supportive of their kids. Um, I also yeah. like the the nice touch when it's just Tao and Elle up in the room, and Tao's mom's like, "Don't forget to leave the door open a little bit." <laughs> like, uh, like yeah. just classic. You know, so good. <laughs> uh, but I think it's it's absolutely amazing just to see how supportive they are of their kids, and it's about their kids' happiness and being mm. well and being comfortable and everything else. I think that is just such a a big thing. Um, I know, on a personal level, I think I would have struggled a lot more if my closest family wasn't um, okay with it. Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. You know, and, and I feel very lucky of, you know, my coming out with my family and everything else, especially when I have friends who don't have their family anymore because their family can't, can't deal with it. Um, and, you know, it's the same thing with, some of the young people that we work with, they lose their family when they come out, uh, which yeah. makes it all that tougher for them to be able to share their true selves with the people in their life. For sure. It is. It must be so hard when things like that happen. You know, Nick has this fairy tale coming out experience, but life does go on after a bad coming out experience it isn't the end of the world there's still there's still a happy future in the community for and people who maybe do um lose connection with their family you see that a lot i mean you have your obviously your family you're born into your birth family and they may be fantastic but sometimes they are not uh, sometimes they're not but actually you will have a family of choice Mm. And they will be friends. They might be allies. They might not be queer, but they will be the people who just get you and who love you unconditionally for who you are. And we'll all have one of them. Um, and yeah, it, 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 you know, if one coming out experience doesn't go well, doesn't mean they're all like that. Um, and you will have that community there to support you um, as you build it up as you go. Do you have any advice for trusted adults or parents about how to react when someone comes out? I know that we have a fairly 
a good example now to follow with Olivia Coleman and, and Heartstopper. But, you know, it can be a bit of a surprise sometimes, can't it? Absolutely. Um, I mean, to, to be honest, I, I think if we could all come out to Olivia Coleman, we'd be, we'd be um, doing brilliantly. <laughs> She's fantastic. Um, but it, it, it's, it's just recognising that actually this is likely to be a big deal for that person, particularly if it's early on and they're coming out. Um, so acknowledging that and thanking them for the trust, um, thanking them for just actually being open and honest and happy for them being confident in, in who they are is it, huge. Um, I, I mean, I, you hear of parents going, oh, my goodness, well, hang on a minute, does that mean they're going to have a harder life or whatever? Because it is more challenging having to come out and out and out and out. Yeah. Um, but actually, none of that matters when at that point actually what it is is you're having a lovely conversation with someone who's trusting you enough to say I'm gay or I'm lesbian or I'm bi or I'm trans and just just sort of recognizing that and thanking them and particularly if they're trans saying okay what name do you want to be known by what pronouns do you want to be known by and even recognizing that you might not always get them right but you're going to try um so that so that when that person comes out that you know that they know that you're there you're supportive and, and you're going to try and get it right that that's about as best as we can do yeah I I think that's a hundred percent right you know it is about remembering that while it might not be a surprise to you or it might be a surprise to you or whatever it is um, this is a really big thing for the person that's telling you um, and they have trusted you and they are feeling um, possibly very vulnerable because they don't know what your reaction is going to be. Um, you know, so I, I think it, it, as Vari said, it is important to thank them for sharing that information, um, you know, and reminding them that you're still the same person you know, they just know a little bit more about you, um, you know, but it's you're still very happy to have them in your life and for them to be part of your life and and everything else. But it is very much it, it's a big thing, um, you know, especially if you're the first person that they've told uh, it, it makes it even um, kind of even more special than them just telling you. Definitely. Sounds like a lot of pressure. <laughs> Just sort of for any young people listening, um, if they go into our website, we have coming out guides, which gives you all sorts of different things to look at. Um, the trans non-binary and questioning guide was, um, gosh, we issued last year, so it's lovely and up to date. Mm. Uh, the gay and lesbian ones are slightly older, but actually, if you are a young person questioning your identity or thinking about coming out or if you're an adult a parent or a teacher or something like that with young people in your lives who might be coming out really useful just to help you think about it and think about what you what you might how you might want to approach something or what you might want to see or how you might want to respond or even just to inform yourself um because it's it's a fantastic thing um being able to live as your true self is just brilliant so, um, yeah, supporting people in that journey is, is a lovely thing to be doing. The only thing I, I think I would add there, um, especially for any young people listening, is you're not alone. 
there are people out there who do care about you. Um, whether you are in the UK or Ireland or Northern Ireland, we have a ton of local organizations that are there for you that you can contact. Um, if you're in the US, there's a number of organizations there and also across the, the world. Um, but just remember you are not alone. There's always someone out there to be able to chat with and get the support that you need so that you can live a full and healthy life um, that you're happy with. Yeah, for sure. We'll put those resources in the show notes. So we'll put links to some of those organizations in the show notes so that people can um, take a look if they choose to. Um, what was your, you mentioned having the warm and fuzzies at Barry whenever you rewatched Heartstopper. What was your highlight from season one? Oh, I don't know where to start. I, do you know what Can it you is? Need to choose from. No, no, it's it's watching Nick and Charlie from the highs to becoming friends to watching that develop. It's just it, it just almost feels like a fairy tale romance because mm -hmm. I, as an adult and working, I, you don't get you don't get to see that in the same way as maybe when you are in school and you are seeing the same people and you yeah. can develop that you can see that crush developing and the relationships building over time um and for me it, it was just uh, yeah really warm and fuzzy but really affirming as well of just watching that relationship grow and develop yeah it was a lovely piece of television for sure we hardly ever get to see queer relationships portrayed like that on mainstream tv so yeah it is it's really special what about you dan what are you looking forward most to in season two i just want to see where it goes with the two of them um you know now that i assume charlie's parents know uh nick's mom knows just want to see where it goes um also, hopefully see Charlie's sister um, in it a bit more. Tori Street. Yeah, because she's just so supportive and um, wants to be there for Charlie, while at the same time being that older sister. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's it's such a nice relationship. Definitely, definitely. I, I, did you know, actually, the one person I want to know about is Isaac. Um, oh, yes, yes. Because that's it, it, probably a bit of a curveball, but um, it just the wee things through on rewatching it for the second time for this, um, seeing sort of some of the books he was reading, it was like, oh, there's something going on there that hasn't been introduced yet. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I sort of, I'm, in, I'm intrigued to know more there. I mean, don't get me wrong, I want to know about Chicken, chicken Gnarly, Nick <laughs> and Charlie. I, I want to see um, what happens between Tau and Elle and, 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 and yeah. all of the other relationships. But sort of Isaac intrigues me. Oh, definitely. And he's not in the books. Loosely based, no. I think, on the other character. I've forgotten the other character from the book's name. Mm. can't remember. Um, yeah. Loosely, very, very loosely based on that character. But yeah. a new character in its own right, too. So I can't wait to, to find out more about him, too. That's Folks, so thanks funny. so much for coming on and for sharing in our proper full-on Heartstopper recap. I think we've done really well. This has been, I, I really enjoyed this episode. Coming out is like such a meaty topic. Like it, there's so much to talk about. 
Um, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. This show, as I said, wouldn't exist without partners like LGBT Scotland. Um, so I'm really, really, really grateful. Really grateful. We've had a lovely time. It's been lots yeah. of fun. So thank you. Oh, I'm thank glad. You. Yeah, got- thank you so much for having us. Um, I I really enjoyed recording this and really just having a chat with the two of you. It's, it yeah. is really good, yeah. actually. Yeah, it is. I love it. <laughs> Listeners, thank you so much if you're still with us. And um, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Don't forget to look down at your phone right now and hit that subscribe button. Um, next, The next episode in our proper full-on Heartstopper recap is... Um, all about moments that take place under trees. One of my favourite things in Heartstopper is the tree symbolism and there's tons of great moments that take place in and around trees. Um, I'm recording with M. Marinelli who joined us um, before. She's a therapist from San Francisco so please tune in for that. It is definitely an episode that you do not want to miss. Thanks so much and all there is left to say guys is goodbye. Yeah, have a lovely have a lovely day and thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Bye folks. Bye-bye. Bye. Today's show was produced by Shut Up World with me, Jamie, and Barry and Dan from LGBT Youth Scotland. Copywritten material within this episode is made available to provide criticism, comment, or review, and to advance the understanding of issues which impact the queer community. For more information, please see our fair use and fair dealing statement at www.properfullongaypodcast.com.